Good morning, Upper Christian Fellowship. So good to see you this morning. want to welcome our online audience as well. Give them a big hand, please. A big hand. Come on. Good to have you guys with us online from all kinds of wonderful places. Thanks for being with us today. We're so glad to have you here. What a beautiful day it is. More beautiful because you're here and we're together this morning. We're in part three of a four-part series called Visit Us And we're asking God just to show up and do what only he can do. There are times we can do everything that we can do, but there's times we just need God to show up and do things that only he can do. And we're saying, God, visit us. What we said was three weeks ago is what we're looking for is not more legislation. We need a visitation from God. We need him to show up. Amen. Amen. Good preaching, Pastor. And God is doing some good things. I told you last week of a man who came in who'd been miraculously healed of cancer, and it was confirmed by the doctors. Isn't that wonderful? Things like that happening, miraculously healed of bladder cancer. Community leaders have been coming together and praying together. I got a text just this week from one of our highest leaders in our community who said, I've been praying for you and your church this week. God is up to some good things. Now, during this season, we've been in a season, if you don't know about it already, for the last three weeks, it will run till uh, this Wednesday of 21 days of prayer and fasting. We've been pushing away one meal every day and spending that time praying, talking to the Lord, and asking Him to visit our community, asking Him to touch our community leaders, asking Him to heal the sick, asking Him to provide resources Uh, for God's vision in our community. We've just been praying and believing God to do these things, and he's been showing up in a big way as we fasted and prayed. And while we've done this, I've been asking God, saying, God, give us vision. Show me where we're headed next. Show me what to do. Give me some insight into what you're doing. And I'm, I'm not one of these people who claims to hear a voice from God every five minutes. But I was out uh, walking in the woods the other day, and I believe I heard the voice of the Holy Spirit speak to my heart and say this. He said, I am preparing your hearts today to receive an outpouring from me in the days to come. God is preparing our hearts now for an outpouring of his spirit, his presence, and new people in his kingdom that's coming right here. Amen. You say, well, why does he need to prepare our hearts? I believe it's the Lord laid this on my heart. He said, if I just poured out everything I want to give you without getting you ready for it, it'd be like handing $1,000 to a 12-year-old. And you don't really want to do that because he would not know how to spend it. He would go crazy. God's preparing our hearts to be good stewards for blessings that are coming down the road. And some good things are coming up with Christian Fellowship. Some good things have already come. But he's going to do things not only in this church, but in churches all over the world. There will be some battles in our future. You understand that. You know that. As I was praying, I'm saying, God, what's happening next? And God spoke to me. There are going to be tremendous blessings, but there are also going to be some battles in our future. Times are not going to be easy But God is going to show up in the midst of difficult times and pour out his presence on the church in a special way. Let me tell you, God's going to be with us. God's going to strengthen us. He's going to show his mighty hand through every battle we walk through. He's preparing us today for a blessing tomorrow. 
But in these crazy days that we live in, and how many can say, yes, pastor, we live in some crazy days? Can I just say, I support any decision made in the land that supports life. And I'm a believer in life. But I'm going to tell you this, hasn't social media been fun the last two or three days? Hasn't it been such a wonderful place to be? Not at all. Can I tell you this as Christians, no matter what you believe, when you feel like your side is one, it's not your opportunity to gloat. It's your opportunity to serve. And the great opportunity ahead of the church right now is to put our time and our money where our mouth has been. And even more, we already support crisis pregnancy in a big way. We support fostering in a big way. But it's on us to step up and do more. To not just be banging on pulpits and hitting social media up and telling people we win. But for us to stand up and really be the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? I'll tell you what this world needs. This world has seen discouraged Christians. Discouraged Christian goes around with his head down saying, oh, the world's a terrible place. The world has seen angry Christian who's stirred up about everything and mad all the time. The world has seen alarmist Christian who said the sky is falling. The world has definitely seen political Christian. You can say amen to that. The world has seen political Christian who it's hard to discern their walk with Christ from their politics. And there is a distinction, a big one. The world has seen culture warrior Christian who takes up the culture war more than the spiritual world war. What we're in here is not a political war, it's not a cultural war. What we're in is a spiritual war against the kingdom of God and it's the, king, the kingdom of darkness that wants to destroy. And what the world needs to see today is not angry Christian, divisive Christian, alarmist Christian, political Christian, culture warrior Christian. What the world needs to see is kingdom-minded Christian who knows that they are a citizen of the kingdom of God and who live in this world to manifest the kingdom to this world. Can I get an amen? amen? Thy will be done, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're citizens of a kingdom called to manifest that kingdom here. So we need kingdom-minded Christians. And today, I'm going to talk to you about three things needed. Three things that kingdom-minded Christians do. 2 Chronicles 20, verse 13 through 17. We're going back to King Jehoshaphat, a king of Judah in the Old Testament, who stood up for what he believed. He led the kingdom of Judah. And one day, messengers came to him. We talked about it two weeks ago. Messengers came to him and said, King, we are under attack from three different armies. And the king, the first thing he did was he panicked. The second thing he did, thankfully, was he prayed and he called on the entire kingdom of Judah to come together and to pray and fast together and they put their eyes on God. So as they're there, coming from all over Judah to Jerusalem, they're in front of the temple and they begin to pray. And then 
God speaks a word through one of his prophets. I want us to stand all over the congregation today in honor of God's word. And we're going to read this word together this morning. 2 Chronicles 20, 13 through 17. This is what it says. Read it with me. As all the men of Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, wives, and children, the Spirit of the Lord came upon one of the men standing there his name was Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, son of Benaiah, son of Jael, son of Mattaniah, a Levite who was a descendant of Asaph. He said, listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem, listen, King Jehoshaphat, this is what the Lord says, do not be afraid, don't be discouraged by this mighty army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. You need a praise break right there, don't you? Somebody needs a praise break. <laughs> that was so good. Let's just read it again. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Go ahead, praise break right there. All right. Tomorrow, march out against them. You will find them coming through the ascent of Ziz at the end of the valley that opens into the wilderness of Jeruel. But you will not even need to fight. Take your positions, then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you, O people of Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. You may be seated today. May God bless the reading of his word. Three things that kingdom-minded Christians do. Anybody want to be a kingdom-minded Christian today? Anybody want to still have an impact in this world? You want to have influence? You want to save your family and touch your community and transform your world? You're going to be a kingdom-minded Christian. Here's three things kingdom-minded Christians do. Number one, they surrender their battles. Kingdom-minded Christians surrender their battles to the Lord. I love it. When they fasted and prayed, God sent them a word. And he touched a man named Jehaziel and he gave him a prophecy for the kingdom. And one of his words was this, don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged by this mighty army, by everything that's coming against you. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Church, can I tell you this morning, the battle we're facing belongs to the Lord. And it's not ours to fight. Do you really believe that this morning? I know, we're in church, and you're supposed to say that. You know, in church, you're just supposed to say amen. And I got the scripture on my side here, too. You've got to agree with that. The question is not, though, do we agree with that in church, and do we give mental assent to that? The question is, do we really live that way? And I got to be honest with you, there are times that I don't live that way. There are times that I take the battle into my own hands, there are times that I live under the pressure that I've got to figure this out. There's times that I think I've got to fix people. Any fixers in the building today? You see a problem, man, you're just going to jump in there and I've got to fix this thing. Now the scripture tells us it's not our battle. The battle belongs to the Lord. This is not just a nice saying for you to say, oh, and this is not just a song. There are tons of songs. I was really trying to figure out exactly what it means the battle belongs to the Lord. So I searched the highest authority in the land. I went to YouTube. 
Man, isn't that encouraging to know that's where I'm going? I went to YouTube just to see. I wanted to hear some good preaching on that. And I studied and I searched everywhere and just wasn't happy. You know what I found? Tons of songs on it. So many Christian songs that say the battle belongs to the Lord. If only we lived more that way. If only we could just be at peace knowing the Lord is out in front of us fighting our battles for us. This is not just a nice saying or a nice song, though. This is a commandment. God's saying, that's mine, don't you touch it. There's another scripture said, uh, where God said, vengeance is mine. God's saying, vengeance belongs to me, don't you touch it. The battle belongs to me, don't you touch it. It's not yours to fight. It's yours to trust in me, to put your hope in me. You're not to be messing with things that don't belong to you. Can I get an amen? I sold a car to a friend not too long ago. Sold a car that I really love, but it was getting old. It was time to get rid of it. So I sold the car to him, and he had the car, and I'd drive by and see it sitting there. You know, a couple months later, I was digging through a junk drawer. Any of you have a junk drawer in your house? Does everybody have a junk drawer? Those of you that don't, what do you do with your junk? Do you actually throw it away? I mean, can you really do that? You've got to have a drawer with all your old keys and coins and batteries and that kind of stuff in it. Everybody got one of those? I was in the junk drawer, and I found that I still had an old key to that car. And the mischievous side of me thought, I'm going to go move his car. I'm going to go get in there and take it. I could have gone to jail for that. Wouldn't it have been fun to just go for a joy ride in my car, my old car? I had a key to it. I could have done it. But I didn't. I know some of you wish I had. I get the feeling someday some of you would like to see me in jail. I get that feeling up here. Here's the deal, though. I had no right to drive around in that car because it didn't belong to me. Do you know you have no right to drive around in your past because God's taken it? You have, no, you have no right to ruminate about the battle and fight it yourself because it does not belong to you. It belongs to Him. You have no right to fight it. But we think we can help God. You remember when Abraham did that in the book of Genesis? I'll tell you about it if you don't remember it. God spoke to Abraham. Genesis is the story, the rise of the nation of Israel that rose to be a great nation, and it started with an old couple, older than you are, like a hundred years old, that had no children. God says, I'm going to raise up a great nation, and Abraham's like 110, and he still doesn't have children, not even one. You thought God was slow in your life. <laughs> Abraham's like, Lord, I'm, you know how old I am. I'm 100. I'm not the man I used to be. And my wife, she's like 95. Lord, you know how this works, right? Say, we're going to have a great nation. Could we at least have one? So they come up with a plan. We're going to help God out. Sarah comes. It's just almost unbelievable, this plan. This would never happen in my life. <laughs> never. Sarah comes. Abraham's 95-year-old wife and said, well, we've got a great nation. I've got a little assistant here, my maid. Go sleep with her. 
have a baby with her, and that's how we'll help God out. So they did. Let me tell you, just because they're in the Bible does not mean they're not messed up. God used some messed up people. This is messed up. Abraham sleeps with his wife's maid. She gets pregnant, has a son, and they think, okay, this is God's promised child. But God says, nope. The Bible calls, his name was Ishmael, the Bible calls him the child of the flesh. In other words, that's what you did when you were trying to help me out. God doesn't need your flesh involved in this battle. He can do this and solve everything. He can speak a word. This is the God who said, let there be light, and there was. This is the God who just said, let there be light, and the light's still going today. He does not need your help. At all. He just wants you in relationship with him. And he wants to show his glory through your life. But Abraham made Ishmael. And all of a sudden these messengers show up and said, guess what? Messengers from the Lord. They said, by this time next year, you and Sarah are going to have a son. Sarah's like, <laughs> she literally. So guess what? God made them name their son Isaac, which means laughter. She had to call him laughter the rest of his life. That's the child I promised you, Abraham. Did you know one of the biggest problems that politicians cannot solve is peace in the Middle East? And you know what it is? It's still, thousands of years later, it's Ishmael and Isaac fighting each other. Don't try to help God out. The battle belongs to the Lord. And I think the Lord is just asking us this morning, will you surrender your battle to me? Some of you fighting battles out there inside. You're smiling on the outside, but in the inside you're growing more desperate all the time to get this thing solved. There's a battle in your heart and in your mind that just rages. And you're fighting that battle saying, God set me free. Can I just tell you something? The best thing you can do this morning and the thing God is calling you to do this morning is to surrender that battle to him and say, God, I'm giving this to you this morning. It's your battle. Will you do that this morning? Will you do that this morning? How many would just say with me right now, we're not even going to close our eyes. How many just say, I've got a battle that I'm just giving to the Lord this morning. I'm just going to turn it loose. And I'm going to trust him with it. I'm not going to try to help him out and make it worse. I'm just going to give that to him this morning. Kingdom-minded Christians surrender their battles. Second thing kingdom-minded Christians do is they take their positions. Second Chronicles 20, 17, the first part of the verse says, You won't even need to fight. This is the greatest battle that was never fought. A victory that God's people did not even need to fight in. They watched. You will not even need to fight. Just take your positions. Although this battle does not belong to you, you do have a place in it. And your place is to be where God called you to be, doing what he called you to do, not figuring it all out, but just obeying him 
and living where he's put you for him in complete obedience and watching him work as you trust and obey him. That was good. I hope that's recorded. Take your positions. What does that mean? People ask me a lot of times, Pastor, what can I do? The world's crazy. We live in a crazy world. Guy went in to give blood the other day. 60-year-old man went in to give blood. And they asked him if he was pregnant. And he wouldn't answer. As I wouldn't. I would not be a jerk about it, but I would just say, He was like 65. Are you pregnant? And my answer, my smart aleck answer, anybody want to hear my smart aleck answer? Would you rather I just move on? You people, that's wrong. You're just, that's just wrong. I won't tell you anyway. I'll whisper. My answer would be, if you don't know the answer to that, I don't want you coming near me with a needle. They wound up, he couldn't give blood. He had to leave because he wouldn't answer that question. That is not a political statement. This is a call to common sense. I'm not on a political soapbox. I'm just saying, where has common sense gone? We live in a crazy world. People ask me all the time, what can I do to make a difference in all this? What can I do to make a difference? I'll tell you what you can do. You can take your position. First of all, take your position in your own family. Too many people are trying to change Washington, D.C. that won't even clean up their own room. Don't try to combat local poverty if you can't feed your hungry neighbor on your own street. Take your position, first of all, in your own family. You know how you can change the world? If you're married, you can love your spouse and be a godly spouse. If you have children, the best way you can change the world is to raise godly young men and women who will go out into this world and manifest the kingdom of God. I'll tell you something, you've got to teach children today. If you let your children drift down the cultural river, you're going to wake up one day and realize they've drifted a lot farther than you thought. If you let culture train your children, you're going to be in trouble. That was never an option anyway for the Christian. because The Bible says train a child up in the way he should go. The Bible said when you walk down the street, take them with you. When you talk at home, when you stand up, when you sit down, impart the wisdom of God into their lives. Can I say something to parents today? I'm going to get on my soapbox just a little bit again today. God didn't call you to be their friend. Oh, Lord, that got a response. God did not call you to be their friend. Now, let me tell you, if you do the right thing when they grow up, you can be friends with them. You do the right thing. You serve them, you love them. And that's my goal. Right now, I'm moving into that with my children. When my son is married, and we're friends now. He needs it. I can still whoop him, though. 
just want to put that in there. He's sitting back there, and I just want him to know you need it. Bring it on. Sorry. It's where the flesh slips out. See, so many parents want to be popular with their kids. You do the right thing, you're not always going to be popular. Sometimes you got to say no. Sometimes you got to say you're not going to be friends with them. Oh, I can do that. You got to do it. You're called to do it. Sometimes you say you're not going there. If you try to be best friends, they can have a thousand friends in their lives. They'll only have two parents. And only you can do that. Take your position in your family. I love the verse here that says, this word came. Verse 13 says, it came as all the men of Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, wives, and children. They were standing there as families when the word of God came to them. Take your position in your family. Can I tell you something else? You've got to take another position. You've got to take your position in Jesus Christ. Say, hey, what is that, Pastor? I'm glad you asked that question. <laughs> Ephesians 2 tells us. Paul talks about our position in Christ. Verse 6, he says this. I'm going to read verse 4 through 6. But God is so rich in mercy... And he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace you've been saved. Verse 6, listen. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we're united with Christ Jesus. You know what it says? God, because Jesus humbled himself and became obedient even to the death of the cross, on the cross, God has exalted him. And given him, the word says, a name above every name. And at the name of Jesus Christ, every tongue will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Because he humbled himself, God exalted him. And God seated Jesus in heavenly places. You know right now, Jesus is seated in heaven. He's not fretting in heaven. Jesus is not there then. Oh boy, what are we doing down there? What are we going to do next? He's seated in heaven and he's in charge. Say, why are things so crazy down here? Because God is a merciful God who gives people every opportunity to repent. And how many of you know, when you're giving people a chance, things can get a little chaotic. When you're letting people get things straightened out and figured out and worked out and giving them an opportunity to respond to grace, things get a little chaotic. And thank God we serve a God of mercy who lets things get a little chaotic. It doesn't just strike us all. He's given us a chance to repent, but he's still in charge. He's seated in heavenly places. He's not pacing, he's seated. The good news of Ephesians chapter 2 is this. You and I, his children, you and I as believers in Jesus Christ, are seated in heavenly places with him, spiritually speaking. You know what that means? I'm not under this storm, I'm over it. I'm not caught up in a storm that's around me. In the spirit world, which is a very real world, you and I as believers are over this storm and we can look down on it, not under it being attacked by it, we look down on it. Oh, this world needs some kingdom-minded Christians who are not in the storm. I'm not in the fight, I'm over the fight. You're not in the battle, you're over the battle. 
remember one time years ago we were working in church. I've been here a long time. And one guy was just giving me a fit. Everything that happened, he was mad about. Everything we tried to do, he was upset about. And I really loved him. He really loved me. But everything made him mad. And I felt like he was putting me in such a storm. And I kept praying for him. And I remember I could take you to the spot over on Washington Street where I was walking and I was praying. I said, God, please, please help me. And God said, you're not a victim. Speak to this storm and it'll change. And I remember I could take you to the spot on the sidewalk that I said, I speak to the storm in Jesus' name and it's got to change. And you know what? It changed. It's a different perspective when you realize you're over the storm, not in it. Can I get an amen? You take your position in your family. You be a man of woman of God. You serve in your community. You love people. And you realize your position in Jesus Christ. And you take it today. Amen. You are over this storm. Kingdom-minded Christians surrender their battles. They take their position. And lastly, they stand their ground. God said this. Stand still and watch the Lord's victory. Stand still. That's the hardest thing for me in the world. To stand still. I want to do something. I told you we ran into a bear this week. On social media I put it up. If you're not on there, Alexa and I faced down a bear this week. Somebody said, was it a spiritual bear? No, a bear. (laughs) A big old, big old black. Any hikers in the room? We will come around a bend and right there was the biggest black bear I've ever seen. And I'm like, bear, and we just froze. (laughs) You ever had one of these awkward times when you're just standing there and you don't know what to say? You ever had one of those times with a bear? It's like we're all looking at each other like, what do we do now? What are we all going to do? I said, don't run. That's the hardest thing in the world. Why do people always tell you not to run when you're, everything in your body says, run? Like I said, what do we do? Help me. I said, back away slowly. Walk slow. Then we turned and walked away slowly. She said, don't leave me. I said, I didn't do that. She didn't say, don't leave. I'm making that part up. Let me tell you what we did. We backed away till we got out of sight of that bear. Then we started jogging. (laughs) And I say jogging because it sounds a little more manly than running. You know what I found out? My wife can outrun me. (laughs) I'm in this now, so I'll tell you the whole stuff. There was two porta johns right up in front of us. And we were just trying to get to those. But then it occurred to me, if I got in there, that bear could have turned those things over. And then later it occurred to me, I saw the headlines, local pastor eaten by bear in the middle of a 21-day fast. (laughs) 
Good sermon, Ellis. Thank you, Lord, for that. Help me out today. It wasn't worth it, though. We finally got away, and he went his own way, and we went ours. But sometimes the hardest thing in the world is to be still. Because your instincts say fight. Your instincts say run. All your instincts are pulling you to do something else. Sometimes the best thing you can do is take your position and know where it is and stand your ground. Just stay there. Old preacher used to preach a message on an Old Testament character, character, one of David's mighty men named Shammah. And it said Shammah was in a, a garden full of lentils. And the preacher had a wonderful title for his sermon. His sermon was called, I've Left This Pea Patch My Last Time. It says Shammah stationed himself in his garden. And when the Philistines attacked, he said... I'm not leaving. That's a kingdom-minded Christian right there. Martin Luther began the Protestant Reformation by saying, here I stand. I'm not moving. And I've just decided something in prayer this week. I was walking in these same woods. By the way, this is my prayer spot where the bear came after us. I was walking in those same woods and just talking to God. And I made up my mind on some things. Now, yeah, I made up my mind on some things long ago, but there's some things I've made up my mind on this week. I'm going to live my life by God's Word. Pastor, hadn't you decided? Yeah, I decided that a long time ago, but I just reaffirmed that in my life this week because I just want to be honest with you. The temptation just to be quiet and shut up and compromise is so heavy because in this world, if you stick your head up, you get shot at. Here's what I made up my mind. I'm going to live my life on God's word and base it on God's word, all of his word. The stuff I like in here and the stuff that challenges me. I'm not going to let people change me out of political or cultural pressure. But I'm not going to be obnoxious about it. I'm not going to feel like I have to insert myself in everybody's argument. I'm not going to comment on everybody's post. My wife keeps telling me this. Can I just be honest with you? I've already been honest. Can I just tell you, once in a while I'll rant about something. Apparently I'm the only one. Y'all are just... Once in a while I'll go on a rant anybody folks I see your Facebook I know better you can't lie to me once in a while I'll go on a rant and my wife will say don't be a grumpy old man so here's what I've determined I'm going to be an old man I'm going to be a sweet old man I am like you got a long way to go preacher yeah well I'm going to get there I'm going to be a sweet old man who knows what I believe who doesn't make any apologies for what I believe who's simply standing in the place that God put him and living out what he believes the very best he can not being the police for everybody not living under the pressure that I've got to change everybody's mind simply going to say, God, you put me in this spot. I'm 
will surrender my battle to you. I'm going to stay in my position. And I'm going to stand here. And I'm going to be as sweet to the world as I can be and let you fight my battles. Amen. Can I just ask the Lord to help us stand our ground in a way that would be attractive to people that disagree with us? Understand, I'm not saying we water down the gospel. I'm not saying compromise anything. But I want to live in such a way. I won't win everybody, but I want to live in such a way that I might actually win people who disagree, not drive them further away from Jesus. Amen. Amen. Kingdom-minded people surrender their battles. They take their position. And they stand their ground. Let's pray together. Jesus, we love you today. Thank you for the privilege to be here together, serving you, knowing you, loving you. Lord, thank you that you called us in the middle of some tremendous spiritual battle to give our battles to you, to stand in the position you've called us to stand in, and to stand in the power of the Holy Spirit on what we believe to be true. Praise you for that today in Jesus' name. Heads bowed and eyes closed. I'm going to ask you again. I've asked you before. How many need to surrender a battle today to Jesus? You just need to say, God, this is your battle. It's not mine to face. It's not mine to fight. Can I see your hands right now? Thank you. How many need to take your positions? There's a position in my life, in my family, in my community. I need to take that position and stand in it. Can I see your hands? say I need to be aware of where I am in Christ I've been in the middle of the storm I need to see that I'm above it in Jesus can I see those yeah a bunch of us need to that how many just need to stand your ground can I see your hands now I'm going to ask another one I know I'm asking a lot of questions it's what I do how many say pastor I need that part about standing my ground with the right attitude can I see your hands yeah that's my hands up too by the way I need that Jesus thank you Thank you for drawing people to you. How many would you say, Pastor, today, I'm not going to embarrass anybody. Pastor, I'm surrendering my life to Jesus Christ today as my Savior and Lord. Can I see your hand right now? I can just see your hand. God bless you. Thank you for that. Anybody else? Celebrate that church. Anybody else? Anybody else? Let's pray a prayer together. It's a prayer of invitation to Jesus. Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. I invite you today to come into my heart and into my life. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. From this day forward, I'm yours. Amen. Amen. Would you be ready to be blessed this morning? We believe in not letting you get out of here with speaking, without speaking a blessing over your life. Would you just lift a hand if you're comfortable with doing that to receive blessing from the Lord? Paul wrote, when I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it's too great to understand fully. 
then you will be made complete with all the fullness of his life and power that comes from God. Be blessed this morning. I'll commission you go out of this place. Take Jesus into your world. Make him known in our community today. Love y'all so much. Thank you for being here. Go spread his love everywhere you go. Be blessed. See you next time.